No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we conclude Psalm 105, as the psalmist continues showing God's faithfulness to Israel. They multiplied in Egypt, and the Lord delivered them and gave them Gentile lands. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the Psalms on Simply the Bible. I heard on the news this morning that people are feeling sad, lonely, and ungrateful. It is the result of isolation, sickness, and the loss of life we've experienced this past year as a nation. We all need hope. In Psalm 105, David proclaims God's faithfulness to his people Israel. It has been said that if you don't like the outlook, well, then try the uplook. We continue in verse 23 of this encouraging psalm, something we could use at the end of this year. Psalm 105, beginning in verse 23. Israel also came into Egypt, and Jacob dwelt in the land of Ham. He increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. Now the Lord wanted Jacob to go to Egypt, but he was an old man and not likely to want to make the journey. Nothing short of the chance to meet his favorite son again, Joseph, after being apart for so many years, would cause him to make the journey from the land of Canaan. God had promised Abraham, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. So it was God's plan for the children of Abraham to go to Egypt where they would be afflicted. Therefore, God sent Joseph ahead of them and he sent a famine throughout the entire land to get his chosen people to Egypt. God's ways are certainly mysterious. While in Egypt, the people increased in numbers and grew in strength to the point that the Egyptians feared them that they would revolt and join with their enemies and take over. So God turned their heart to hate his people. Now, why would God make the Egyptians hate his own people? Isn't that strange? But God's people have always been despised by the world. And God's only son would also be despised. This is known as the reproach of Christ. And it is God's will that every believer taste this, at least to some degree. If we would become co-heirs with Christ of the kingdom of God, then we must also know the fellowship of his suffering. But we kick and scream when we feel that others have violated our rights. We complain that others hate us. But if we will suffer such treatment for the sake of Christ and submit ourselves to God in humility, realizing that God is using all things together for good, then we will be blessed. And guess what? We'll even find joy. The power of Christ will rest upon us. So let us think about imitating Paul's example in 2 Corinthians 12, where he said, Therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities 
that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I see the wisdom in this. I can't say I always do it, but may God help us to do this more. Now, they dealt craftily with God's servants. The Egyptians were so concerned about Israel becoming too powerful that they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with burdens and make them slaves. But the more they afflicted them, the more the Hebrews multiplied and grew. So Pharaoh had to come up with plan B, which was to kill the Hebrew male children. How difficult it would have been for them to live through those days of oppression, bitterness, and sorrow. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark, and they did not rebel against his word. He turned their waters into blood and killed their fish. Their land abounded with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings. He spoke, and there came swarms of flies and lice in all their territory. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. He struck their vines also and their fig trees and splintered the trees of their territory. He spoke, and locusts came, young locusts without number and ate up all the vegetation in their land and devoured the fruit of their ground. He also destroyed all the firstborn in their land, the first of all their strength. So God sent Moses and Aaron. Now Moses was set apart from birth. He was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter and raised as the prince of Egypt. But when he grew up, he identified with his own people, the Hebrews. We are told in Hebrews chapter 11, That by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, because he looked to his reward. Now, God sent both Moses and Aaron as Jesus would send out his disciples two by two. How we need fellowship with one another as we serve the Lord. Two are better than one, for we strengthen and sharpen each other. They performed signs and wonders. Now the ten plagues in Egypt were to prove to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians who the Lord was. They were also to judge the false gods of Egypt. David lists seven of these plagues. Darkness. Such darkness in the land of Egypt that you could feel, but it was only among the Egyptians in the land of Goshen, where the Hebrews lived, there was light. You see, God was judging their sun god, Ra. The Egyptians also worshipped the Nile as the provider of water and food. So God turned the waters of the Nile to blood and the fish died. Then The Lord sent frogs, and the land abounded with them. They were even in the king's bedroom. They were in the kneading bowls. I like to say that this was frog bread. You couldn't walk anywhere among the Egyptians and not see them. 
The Lord sent swarms of flies and lice. These were biting flies. It would have been miserable. And lice, of course, we know they are miserable and hard to get rid of. Then came great hailstones, along with thunder and lightning. It left all of Egypt in ruins. The hail struck down everything in the open field. People, animals, and plants alike. Even the trees were destroyed. Next, God sent locusts, swarms of locusts that would eat everything in their path. And the locusts consumed whatever crops remained after the hail. The Egyptians had never seen such a severe locust plague in their land. And finally, the death of the firstborn. This was the greatest plague by which Pharaoh finally released the Hebrews to go worship Yahweh. Both the firstborn of men and beasts among the Egyptians were killed. But the Hebrews killed the Passover lamb and put the blood on their door frames and above their door. And as they were inside their homes, the death angel passed over them and their firstborn did not die. Verse 37, he also brought them out with silver and gold. And there was none feeble among his tribes. Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them had fallen upon them. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. The people asked, and he brought quail and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock, and water gushed out. It ran in the dry places like a river. So the Lord brought them out of Egypt with silver and gold. God instructed them to go to their Egyptian neighbors and ask them for articles of silver and gold. And God opened the hearts of the Egyptians to be charitable toward them. They literally opened their wallets. They feared the Hebrews by this point. And Moses now had a great name throughout Egypt. But in a sense, it was sort of back payment for all of their slave labor. Now, no one was feeble when they left. There were no invalids among the Hebrews. What a miracle for an estimated two to three million people. Each person would be strong enough to make the journey. God protected their health. Egypt was glad when they departed. At first, they didn't want to lose their slave labor, but now all Egypt was destroyed. So they were glad to get rid of the Hebrews. God can turn the tables on even the worst of situations if we will trust him to do so and pray earnestly. Then God spread a cloud for a covering. As they traveled through the wilderness, he led them with the cloudy pillar, but it had practical purposes. It was a covering for them from the hot desert sun. You could say that they had it made in the shade. Then at night, the cloudy pillar turned into a fiery pillar to give them light. God provided abundant water from the rock, and he gave them manna, the bread from heaven, and fed them daily. But that wasn't good enough. They craved meat, so God gave them quail. But that would turn out to be more of a curse than a blessing because of their lust. Verse 42, For he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham his servant. He brought out his people with joy his chosen ones with gladness. He gave them the lands of the Gentiles and they inherited the labor of the nations that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise the Lord. God never forgets his promises because of love. He remembers his covenants with his servants and he brought them into the land of milk and honey just as he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
He brought out his people with joy. The Hebrews experienced joy when they left Egypt and double joy when they crossed the Red Sea and the Lord drowned Pharaoh's army. Now consider the typology for the believer because Egypt pictures the world. The Exodus pictures Christ delivering us from the bondage of sin and the Red Sea crossing pictures water baptism, which testifies that we have died to our old life of sin and received a new life in Christ. God dispossessed the wicked Canaanites and gave Israel vineyards that they did not plant and houses they did not build. And the purpose of God's blessing and prospering them was so that they would then love him and keep his commandments. Now for us, crossing the Jordan into the promised land is the glorious life in the spirit. As we walk in the spirit, we don't gratify the lusts of our flesh and we keep the Lord's commandments because it is Christ in us helping us to do it. May God help us to prosper in this promised land of faith and obedience in the Spirit. I hope this psalm lifts your spirits. A person's gladness is in direct proportion to his awareness of God and his promises. And in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. While many are sad, lonely, and ungrateful today, We need to be reminded of God's goodness and faithfulness to everyone who trusts in him and keeps his commandments. And what are they? To love God and love people. May God help us to be more conscious of his presence so that we may rejoice in him always. And again, I say, rejoice. You've been listening to Simply the Bible. The Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we'll look at Psalm 106 as the psalmist praises God for his goodness. He led Israel through the Red Sea and did not destroy them, even though they often rebelled against him. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the Psalms on Simply the Bible.